Hello, welcome into the Daily Blues Podcast on 101 ESPN. Dan Betlock with you on this November 26, 2019. Glad you're along with us. Blues coming off a shootout loss at the hands of the Nashville Predators. David Perron scored his 11th goal of the year. Had three shots. David now has four straight games with a point. Three goals, one assist. Sitting at 11 goals on the year. 23 points in 25 games. Jake Allen played amazing last night. Kept the game from getting out of hand, that's for sure. Because if that game gets to 3-0, I'm not sure the, the Blues come back and get a point in that. But he made a season-high 35 saves. Predators did build that 2-0 lead, but the Blues again rallied to get that point. It was Jake's first start since November 15th, but he's been he's been pretty steady. He's 2-0-2, 2-3-9 goals against, and a 92 save percentage in four starts in November. Let's hear how it happened. All right, we got the Blues. We've got the Predators. It's game number 25. And ricocheted back out, and O'Reilly gets to it. Now to Petrangelo. Going to shoot it, deflected on. Rebound, Schwartz, backhanded wide. The puck coming over the line. Bring near side. Menino shoots and scores. Nobody in front of Jake Allen. And from the top of the near circle, clearing attempt kept in by Nashville. Deflected on. What a save by Allen. The Blues can't pick up the rebound. Johansson will score. The Blues will have the penalty kill on a clean sheet of ice and with a long change to boot. And they'll do it with Pareko and Bowmeister, O'Reilly, and Bozak. The Blues are not close enough. They always tell you you got to be on an eight-foot rope at least. And right now the Blues aren't. Stolen away by the Predators. Granlin in front. And that's a huge save by Jake to keep the Blues in the game. And now the puck goes back to Perron along the wing. Shields it away from Yossi. Twice. Snaps it to the blue line. Here's Dunn. Wrist shot. And a nice save made by Soros with a glove. Here comes Bo Meester. He brings it in. Centers it. The Blues crash the net. And Soros was there. Yeah, Mackenzie McEachern and Irwin right now. They're in front of the bench. And are they going to let him go? The gloves finally come off. Irwin and McEachern. McEachern and Irwin. And McEachern ends up stepping on a stick. They got dropped it in his way. Down into the corner on Eckholm. Some more pushing and shoving on the far wing. That was with Craig Smith. And the Predators have a two-on-one. They bring it in. They trail it. They shoot it. Allen with a huge save. Now the Blues are going. Ahead to Perron. Over the line. Fires it. Save. Rebound. He scores. What a shot by Perron on the rebound. In transition. And there's your spark. Two to one. The Blues are on the board. 7.30 to go in the second period of play. And now that's Robert Thomas spinning it up the near wing. And he'll clear it in. Icing gets waved off. Big hit by Shen. In behind the net. He checked down Dante Fabro. Well, we open up the period five on five, and things got testy as the second period went along. We'll see how the third period starts it's out. Amazing, isn't it? <laughs> Russ try to keep it as fair as possible. Smith over the line on Bo Meester, drives the net, centered, put it on, and Allen locked it right in between the legs. That's a heck of a save. Our side, Ellis to the goal. What a save off the left pad of Allen. And right back to Yossi again. Not a Johansson. To the corner. In front. Shot on. And a huge save. Sprawling save by Jake. Thomas on his backhand. Put it into the corner. But Ekholm rims it far side. Pareko's reach. Kept it alive. Thomas on his forehand. Centers to Shen. He scores. Braden Shen. Ties the game for the Blues. 2-2 to the score. 
Oh, with a great play by Pareko to keep it in the zone. And now Petrangelo pinches with Sundquist trying to keep it in, and he gets it to Barbashev. Back to Sundquist with a little bit of time, finds Petrangelo. Quick shot. It's in front, and what a save by Soros. He dove over. He knocked it away with a stick. An unbelievable save, keeping the game tied at two. Off the inboards. Three seconds to go in regulation. We're going to overtime. And now Falk will lay it in behind the net to Shen. Shen's going to send it out. It goes all the way down the ice, and we're going to go to the shootout. David Perron brings it in on Saros. Shoots and scores. He went high glove. And a big goal by Perron. Puts the Blues on the board in the shootout. Well, great play there. As you see, Saros came way out. And David Perron sees the depth, and he just goes backhand, forehand, a quick little snap, a little flick of the wrist, and right over the glove. Matt Duchesne will bring it in on Jake Allen, his first shootout of the season. Duchesne cuts it into the middle of the ice, deeks and shoots, and Allen pokes it away. It's a good time to tell you that we have had, I've had conversations with Jake Allen, right? Who's got a 10 and 7 record in shootouts and a 732 save percentage? He goes, I like him. Yeah, well, right there, what a play there is. He knows he's on Matthew Shane, a fancy player, likes to give a little bit extra, gets a good poke. Ryan O'Reilly brings it in on Saros from the far wing into the middle. Shoots, and his shot hit the post. The Predators now have a chance to tie him to put the defenseman Ellis onto the board. Ellis is 0 for 1 this season in the shootout. Trying to tie it in round two of a shootout in a 2-2 hockey game. Ellis brings it in to the slot. Shoots wide of the goal. Let's just say Allen gave him nothing to look at. Yeah, exactly right. He comes down left to right, and he tried making a sneaky little low glove shot right there, and Jake's been terrific. And, and now with the game on the line, the player that scored the equalizer in the third, Braden Shen, can do it. Here comes Braden Shen trying to win it. They lost the handle, gets it back, and then he never was able to get the shot away. Fell off his stick. Yeah, fell off his stick once, curves, and then as he, he finally got it back, he goes to shoot it. Fell off it just again. The whole timing of that was just a little bit all over the place. Is that you or Pete? <laughs> well, Jake, who was terrific in this game, can win it right here. Forsberg in on Allen. Forsberg shoots and scores and ties the shootout. And the shootout's going to go into overtime. And the only one going son of a is our engineer right here. I know. <laughs> he was excited to get home and maybe hit a country brower on the way home before he closes his eyes, but not tonight. Robert Thomas, first shootout of the season, brings it in on Soros. Deekson, and he can get the shot away. So that's two in a row. They don't even get the shot off. You almost think that from this vantage point curve, UC Soros must have collected a bunch of snow and thrown it about two feet north of his blue crease right there because that is the second time a blue shooter has lost a puck just on top of that blue paint. Well, they called up Carr for the game today. He brings it in on Allen. Brings it in, shoots and scores, and the Predators beat the Blues in the shootout. Well, last night in Nashville, the St. Louis Blues fell in a shootout to the Predators by a score of 3-2. to two. The Blues are 0-3 in shootouts this season, but they earned a huge point on the road as they begin this three-game road trip. And Joe Vitale, they did it in come-from-behind fashion as they were trailing in the game 2 to nothing. 
before the second period goal by Perron, the third period goal by Shen to battle back for that one big point on the road. Well, last night in Nashville, you're absolutely right. They started slow for the second time in a row against the same opponent in the Predators, and they get down by two goals. They put themselves in a little bit of a hole, but they just continued to build their game as the game went along. Third period was their best period by far. They got things going there by David Perron, and a great little uh, line switch up in the game last night for Craig Berube. He throws Robert Thomas on that top line. They found chemistry immediately. Of course, Shannon, as you, as you mentioned, Curbs, he got the equalizer. Overtime, a bit jumbled. Uh, bodies were flying everywhere. Guys were exhausted, blocking shots. Jake Allen was absolute nails after that first goal. Kept the Blues within reach the entire game. And you mentioned points are points, and this is a very tough road trip. And it got started off on the right foot. Tomorrow night's going to be another one, tough one in Tampa Bay. 3-2 to two the final. The Blues fall in the shootout to the Predators. That's Joe Vitale. I'm Chris Kerber. We're coming your way Wednesday night from Tampa here on the Blues Radio Network. All right, Kerbs. All right, Joey. Thank you so much for that recap and breakdown. As you heard some of the theme there, the Blues getting a point. And that's the theme of my podcast, at least, of here on the Daily Blues Podcast on 101ESPN.com. This is a point accumulation league. That's what it's all about. You're missing three of your top nine forwards. You went down 2-0 early on the road. You got a point. Big game, big test coming against Tampa Bay tomorrow night as they continue their road trip. All right, we got a lot more to get to here in the podcast. We'll hear from Jeremy Rutherford coming up. Craig Button will talk about the suspension handed to Robert Bortuzzo and if the Blues are a dirty team. But first, let's get a Rampage report from Brian McCormick, the play-by-play man of the San Antonio Rampage. San Antonio! Rampage grabbed three of an available four points over the weekend as the AHL season passed the quarter mark, earning a 4-0 shutout victory over the Texas Stars on Friday, but falling 3-2 in overtime to the Rockford Icehogs on Sunday afternoon. The Rampage held a 2-1 lead into the dying seconds of Sunday's game, but Dylan Secura scored the tying goal with 2.4 seconds remaining, and Jacob Nielsen netted the overtime winner just 16 seconds into the extra session. Nielsen through center, splits the defense, Jacob Nielsen on a breakaway, scores! 15 seconds into overtime, Jacob Nielsen splits the D in the neutral zone, goes in all alone on Adam Wilcox, and the Rockford Icehogs take two points out of San Antonio. As Clem Costa returns to San Antonio, Nathan Walker and Derek Pouillot head the other way. Pouillot has been dominant offensively for the Rampage this season, leading all AHLers in power play assists and power play points, and with points in four straight games courtesy of this snipe on Sunday. Vecchioni's going to take the draw, Kairou. Walker and Pouillot all lined up inside. Off the face up, Pouillot scores! An absolutely perfect face-off win by Mike Vecchioni. Garrett Pouillot was lined up at about 5 o'clock on the face-off circle. It came right to his wheelhouse. And he snaps one up over the glove of Matt Tompkins. Tompkins barely moved. Rampage have a 2-0 lead. Walker's call to the Blues breaks up San Antonio's most productive line of late, that of Walker, Mike Vecchioni, and Jordan Cairo. A member of that trio had scored at least one goal in five straight games prior to Sunday, and one of those three has found the score sheet in 16 of 20 games this season. Jordan Nolan and Jake Wallman both scored over the weekend, each player tallying his second goal of the year. Billy Husso earned his second shutout of the season and the eighth of his AHL career. The Rampage and Icehogs square off again on Tuesday night at the AT&T Center, with the Rampage sitting three points clear of the Icehogs, but Rockford holding three games in hand. The Rampage are in third place in the Central Division. From San Antonio, I'm Brian McCormick. Thanks for tuning in to the Rampage Report. You heard Pouillot mentioned in there. Of course, Pouillot was called up uh, to the St. Louis Blues this week, along with Nathan Walker. Big thanks to Brian McCormick for the Rampage report there. All right, speaking of the Rampage, 
Clem Costa was sent back down to San Antonio this week when a lot of fans were kind of up in arms about that. Some see it reasonably. Some don't see it so reasonably. Jeremy Rutherford was on with Stalter and Rivers today. Michelle Smallman was filling in for Jamie this afternoon. But that's where they started with Clem Costin and why he was sent down. Totally fair question, and I can understand where people would want to see Clem Costin, especially he showed some flashes, scored his goal the other night. Here's the way I see it. If the Blues are a competitive team, and they are, and they're at the top of the Western Conference, they've got a chance to win the Stanley Cup um, this year. If you've got an open spot, let's just say maybe two in your lineup, you can bring up a Jordan Cairo, a Clem Costin, and just try to incorporate them into the group of forwards, see where they fit, and see if their talent takes over and they can help you. But when you're a competitive team and you're trying to do everything you can do to win, and now all of a sudden you're missing a Tarasenko, a Steen, a Sammy Blay, and then uh, now you lose Robert Bortuzzo, you are missing so much experience and production. You're trying to do everything you can on a nightly basis just to, to you know get by and win some of these games. And so I, I see where uh, people want to have Clem Costin in the lineup and perhaps he scores you a couple goals one week and you say, see, I told you so. But what Craig Berube needs is a lineup of guys that he can throw out there and he knows what he's going to get for you. If it's from you, if it's the third period and he wants to put a guy out on the ice, he knows what he's going to get from, let's just say a, a Troy Brower. You don't know what you're going to get at this point from a Clem Costin. So I'm not trying to create this, you know, seal proof, case that you can't have Clem Costin in your lineup. I just think the Blues are at a situation where they've got so many injuries and they're missing so much production that it's hard to incorporate that type of guy in the lineup. And JR, even though fans might be upset that Clem Costin's time with the Blues up in the NHL wasn't as long as they may have hoped, it's still beneficial for him to get that taste of the league and that experience under his belt. I think so, 100%. And was he probably disappointed when he went down? Yeah, sure. Uh, but this is a situation where Clint Costin, and I went down there and vis- visited him in uh, San Antonio last year. He really, really, really wanted to come up and, and just get a taste of the NHL, obviously stay as long as he could. Uh, but the Blues just kept saying, you're not ready yet. You know, you're not ready yet. Just continue to prove it uh, in the minor leagues, and you'll get your chance. And so he had the great training camp, and I know – uh, that made fans, you know, they were licking their chops, waiting for Clint Costin to come up. He didn't have, uh, you know, a, an impressive start in uh, the minor leagues, but he got better as the season went along. And then they finally said, hey, Clint, we're going to take a look at you. And I can't tell you how excited he was. I was in the locker room that first day he came up for practice. He's talking about calling his dad and how exciting that was to tell him that he was going up. And he's wearing the blue note. He's in the locker room. He's interacting with these guys. He's seeing what the pro life is like. And you guys saw the celebration after he scored that goal the other night, how excited he was. So he, he takes a puck home with him, a souvenir puck. So this is a situation where you go up to him and you say, hey, head back down there, dominate the American Hockey League. You've shown uh, that you can do it up here, and, and we like you. We want to have you up here. Uh, but right now isn't necessarily the time. Come back and you can help this team. So I, I just think that everything that he went through the past week and a half was very, very productive. Jeremy Rutherford is our Blues insider with The Athletic. He joins us right now on Stalter and Rivers. Michelle Smallman in for Jamie today. All right, Jer, so what then would be the path for Clem Costin to return to the NHL and stay with the Blues? Well, you know, if if I stick to what I'm saying a second ago, it's the Blues have to, 
you know, figure out how they're going to win games. They're going to have to score more. You know, lately they've gone through a rut where they're just giving up a, a ton of shots. I know they won one of those games against Calgary, but, you know, this is a team that's middle of the pack shots against about 31 against per game. And you look at these last three games, they've given up 40, 43, and, and 39, and you lose the one to uh, Nashville, and then you lose the other one last night in a shootout. So, you know, this is a situation where, you know, a year ago, second half of the season, you go to the rink and you know you're going to win. Uh, the Blues aren't in that situation right now, even though they've got the point total and they're up at the top of the standings. It, it's just tough. So, uh, to me, you know, getting Clem back or any young player for that matter, Jordan Cairo, when he's ready, it, it's just that they have to know uh, what they can get out of these players. And so uh, the Blues, I think right now, are just going to have to find themselves a little bit. And then they're going to have to get guys back from injury. The problem with this, Anthony, in terms of getting these young guys in there and incorporating them is these injuries are so long-term when you talk about Steen, uh, Tarasenko, and, and even Sammy Blay. It's going to be a while before they get those guys back. Um, so I, I just think that they have to get themselves established, the Blues do, uh, before they can decide to throw a Clem Costin out there every day. As Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic joining Stalter and Rivers from earlier this afternoon with Michelle Smallman filling in for Jamie. Costin will be back, and he will be an impactful player, and I think that this, as JR said, this little taste of the NHL will only bid him well in his future in the AHL and in the NHL. He now knows what it takes, what kind of game style is being played at the NHL level, and Clem with as much upside that he does have, there will be some inconsistencies to that game, and the Blues need a little bit more consistency. So that's what they're kind of looking for in Troy Brower. They know what they're getting in Troy. He will be sound defensively. We saw how vital and important the fourth line is to the St. Louis Blues, and I'm just not sure if Clem Costin, at 20 years old, is ready to do that. And I get it, Robert, Robert Thomas. We're not talking about Robert Tom, moving Robert Thomas into the center, and he's only 20 years old, of potentially centering uh, Shen and uh, Schwartz. He had that learning experience. He had that year under his belt. And I get it that you, the only way Costin is going to get that experience is if you play him. I think you saw why you like him so much in that game or in his in his two games up here. And what we saw in the preseason, there's a lot to like there with Clem Costin. There's no question about it. Is he ready yet? I'm going to leave that up to the Doug Armstrong and the powers that be. Once he's ready, he'll be on this roster, and it'll be time for Clem Costin to start his career. But until then... I trust in the process of Doug Armstrong and what they're doing. Another aspect is without three of your top nine forwards, you're also out with Robert Bertuzzo. He served game one of his four-game suspension last night. Craig Button joined our pregame show last night for the St. Louis Blues hockey. And Alex Ferrario asked Craig Button, was the suspension warranted for Robert Bertuzzo? Uh, well, not only do I think the suspension was justified, I, I think that Robert Bertuzzo got off very lightly. Uh, if that is an intent to injure on a defensive on a defenseless player, I don't know what is. And uh, you know what? I think for the fact that he only got four games, he should be counting his blessings because I think it deserved much more than that. If you look at uh, a player laying on the ice in the cross check, not once but twice, and, and if that doesn't fall under the definition of trying to hurt somebody, I don't know what does. And so, you know what? I think that uh, the suspension is one thing and totally earned. I think that he deserved a lot more games. What do you think about the narrative surrounding the Blues team, Craig, that they're a, a, a dirty team? I don't think the Blues are dirty. I think the Blues play hard. And just because you have a, uh, an act in a game, I mean, so, so, so why don't we go back last year to the playoffs? So uh, Ivan Barbashev got uh, suspended for a hit to the head in the Stanley Cup final, right? You remember that play? Mm -hmm. Now, would you call Ivan Barbashev dirty? No. I wouldn't. I've watched Ivan play for a long time. 
there's going to be moments in a game and and and, and a way of team plays style wise, right? Where you know you're going to have certain uh, what I would call transgressions across the line. The league, that's why we have the Department of Player Safety, and I think it's important to have the Department of Player Safety to hand out supplemental discipline in cases where it, it merits it. But the Blues, to me, are, are, are a team that plays hard. They compete on the puck. They compete on the body. I don't see a dirty team there at all. I see a team that's, that, 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 that's uh, committed to playing a certain style, I don't see them running around being chippy or being uh, or you know displaying acts that you would call dirty. I don't see that. In the case of Robert Bertuzzo, I know the game is hard. I know it's competitive. To me, that was an unnecessary play, and it's not. And, and to me, I don't think that uh, in that scenario that that's a play that's appropriate. And, and he got suspended. Now we can agree or disagree whether it deserved more or whatnot. But I don't. I see the Blues as a team that plays hard. Uh, you know, Doug Armstrong, the the president and general manager. Uh, we worked together in Dallas. We had a big, heavy, hard team in Dallas. And you know, is there times when the game gets ultra competitive, and you know, you you might get a charging penalty or a boarding penalty? That's also why we have penalties in the game. But I don't think that the St. Louis Blues are a team that you would say, boy, you know, all they do is just go around playing a dirty game i think they play a very solid very effective game again we're talking with craig button of tsn craig sticking in the central division the dallas stars have been playing red hot nine wins in their last 10 they got a point streak going through 11 straight games although they are playing hot hockey right now you also look at it and think boy this started once Ty- uh, jamie ben and tyler sagan were called out yeah, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not a big believer in the callout uh, program. I, 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 you know what? You have issues with, with players. That's what you got to do. I mean, Jamie Ben had scored one goal. I mean, I don't think there was any secret that Jamie Ben wasn't playing as well as he did. But I also don't believe you got to call them out. I think that great competitors and Jamie Ben and Tyler Sagan are great competitors. They want to perform. And you know, one of the things I think happened to the Dallas Stars and go back to the series last year with the St. Louis Blues. Great series. The Dallas Stars defensively were really good. They couldn't score. So what do they do in the offseason? They go out. They try to add some more scoring to their lineup. And I think they tried to make a shift to be more of a scoring team and to add more. Not, I shouldn't say more of a scoring team, but tried to shift more into that area. They were failing spectacularly early in the season. And you know what? Everybody's going, geez, what are they doing? I think they got right back to what they were, a really good tight defensive team instead of trying to chase goals now they were playing from the net out up the ice together and i don't think it was any coincidence that when the team changed the way it was playing that also you were going to get more productivity there's nothing harder to do in the game than chase certain areas of it and i think that the the dallas stars figured out their identity is this and we're going to score off of that they're one of the best defensive teams in the league I don't think they're ever going to be a high-scoring team. But when you get your game in order, other parts of your game fall into line. I think that's exactly what's happened with the Stars. I think it's exactly what's happened with Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan. Yeah, that narrative that the Blues are a dirty team, I, I just don't. I'm not. They're a hard team to play against, that's for sure. But I don't know about dirty. Are there moments in time where there is dirty play? Sure, but what, where is that not in any NHL locker room and or team? But I wouldn't say the Blues are so blatantly consistent in playing dirty. They play hard. Do they toe the edge? Absolutely. 
That's a big reason why they won the Stanley Cup. That's a big reason why a lot of teams won the Stanley Cup. So the Blues will take that edge into Tampa tomorrow night against the Lightning. That game will start at 6 p.m. We're on the air at 5 with our Mitsubishi Electric pregame show presented by First Community with Alex Ferrario. Puck drop a little after 6 tomorrow. So that's going to wrap it up for this Daily Blues podcast. Remember, folks, go see a ball game often. Follow your local teams. It really is fun for the entire family. Dan Betlock signing off on 101ESPN.com.